0: From the official radio podcast network of Internet Welcome Retailer. Welcome to the AFCON 2010 Conference in Denver. Presents Inside. Inside. Today's Internet keynote conversation Retailer. is being streamed live on webmasterradio.fm thanks to their sponsors, Empire Internet Media, Host. the world's only full-service affiliate network, EMPYREmedia.com, and Optismo, the ultimate email compliance solution. O-P-T-I-Z-M-O dot com. We welcome your interaction by sending your questions and commentary on Twitter by using the hashtag pound Aaron Baker is Executive Vice President of Atrinsic Interactive. For Atrinsic Incorporated, he oversees the company's agency division and its integrated service offerings. Now please welcome your host for this afternoon's keynote conversation, At AFCON 2010 Denver, please welcome the founder of Shoe Money Media Group, Jeremy Shoemaker.
1: Everybody, thanks for coming. Uh, My name is Jeremy Shoemaker. I write a blog at shoemoney.com. I also have various other companies that I run. And I've been doing affiliate marketing for about seven, going on eight years or so. And um, I've also had a pretty successful radio show on Webmaster Radio for the last years, well four years or so now. Um, I've done well over a hundred shows, had a lot of guests and stuff like that. And a lot of people have kind of gotten value out of those and, and whatnot. So when we were brainstorming about this keynote with Darren and Brandy about what we could do and how we could kind of like take kind of the give the same value that we give to people from the radio show to the actual conference attendees. So we solicited questions and we got a lot of really, really great questions. And then I talked to Darren and Brandon and said, you know, we should get a, a really good expert who's been, you know, started as an affiliate and gone all the way up the ladder. So I thought of my friend Aaron Baker, who's the executive vice president at Atrinsic, which is one of the very few publicly traded affiliate companies. And not only is he high-powered affiliate, or affiliate executive, is that what you say? Um, um, <laughs> but, you know, he started just like everyone here and just like me too, just, you know, basically... Just getting started too. So um join me in welcoming Aaron Baker. Thank you. So Aaron, do you want to just talk a little bit about sure what you do? So
2: um in my former life I was an army ranger. I went to West Point, um had some interesting uh stuff go on in the military, and uh when I got out I kinda of stumbled onto this thing called affiliate marketing. And it was early two thousand three, I think, uh when I first started. Um I also, at that time, I wasn't making a lot of money online. I figured if I can make $100, how can I make $1,000? Um, so I spent a lot of time and energy trying to learn, how do I make more money online? Um, so I started working for various different companies. My first entrance into mainstream media was with a large radio broadcasting company called Intercom. Um Helped to build the streaming audio and video platforms and started to really learn at the same time, Yeah, Google become very prevalent online. Um, Through that, I became one of the largest search marketing affiliates over the years and specializing in SEM and SEO and social media. Um, And uh, I found myself becoming the vice president of Pepper Jam and Pepper Jam Network at at one point. Um, We scaled and we built that company. Um, Very interesting uh, story there behind that. Uh, I came to intrinsic to really build out the next internet media conglomerate that really can marry a best-in-class agency with an affiliate network and really help publishers grow um, because there's various challenges within the industry right now that really need to be addressed. And a lot of that is through advanced analytics and a lot of different marketing strategies uh, that I know we're going to talk a little bit about today. So uh, thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, it's, it's a really interesting time in the world, um, in the affiliate industry, basically because... We're really transitioning into, and we're actually seeing a lot of government intervention, whether it be in the, ta- in the form of taxes or in guidelines with the FTC stuff or just rules and regulations. I mean, we've been able to be, operate pretty much. It's been the Wild West for a long, long time, and now it's slowly, slowly becoming more and more regulated. So a lot of these questions that we receive from people were in regards to, a lot of it was just out of fear. I think fear okay. of, you know, like, should I, they hear rumors about things, you know, FTC kicking down doors and all this stuff. So we wanted to address the issue. So one of the first ones we had, well, one of the, the most, probably the, the most, the one that was asked the most was directly about the FTC. You know, should you have a disclosure? Um, should you have a disclaimer when you're mailing out an affiliate offer or you mention an affiliate offer on Twitter, you know, and stuff like that? There's guidelines and then there's rules. What's your thoughts on that, Aaron? Yeah, I think
2: you brought up a good point that, you know, we've been very fortunate for many years where the government hasn't interfered. Um, I think it plays into the tax piece as well, is that any time that they can get their hands and stuff and find a way to make money from it, they're going to. Um, so, you know, with, we haven't done a great job policing ourselves in the industry. And I think it really became under fire last year with the acai berry blogs and the, the um, kind of misleading consumers. So, you know, FTC guidelines, they're, they're gonna happen, just like taxes are gonna happen. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you're honest in the way you're promoting a product, um, you do put some type of disclaimer. For instance, on my sites, I'll put, you know, I'll have one separate page about a disclaimer and a privacy policy, and I'll keep that there. I think it, it affects bloggers a little bit more they are paid to do that stuff when you should put the disclaimer up front. Um, but I think it's, there's, they're guidelines. There, there's no set rules. Um, and everybody's kind of afraid of that, and they're misconstruing a lot of the stuff. So um, there's still guidelines. I think we should be really honest in the way we promote and not mislead consumers down a path with fake blogs and all that stuff. And it's really time to clean up the industry. And we've done a bad job, so the government's coming in. It is what it is. Um, but I still think it's, it's okay just to have a disclaimer on the site and just try to promote your products and, and your services in the most honest way possible.
1: I think many times... Um, with our products and the way we promote them, we found that actually, you know, adding a disclaimer, adding having a privacy policy, terms of use, and all that kinds of stuff, actually adds to the legitimacy of it, especially when you have a real address, you know, that people can actually write to you or contact you or even call you and stuff like that. And I think that what you're seeing now is what happened in television and stuff where people started leveraging people's trust, whether people trust Absolutely. blogs, you know, right now. People used to trust and, and still do trust the news and media outlets. And so you would see, you know, late night infomercials that were structured like it was a news broadcast about this great thing they just discovered. And, you know, there was some disclosure and disclaimers, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's really, Aaron hit it on the head, It was it's more about misleading the consumer. And because when the FTC comes knocking... I've known people that it's happened to that were totally doing it by the book, but the whole problem was is they had consumer complaints to like the Better Business Bureau and stuff like that, and they just ignored them, and they were like, well, who cares about the Better Business Bureau? Well, in today's economy, the government's not really doing that hot, and they need to justify their budgets and stuff like that, so they are actively pursuing a lot of these things like the Better Business Bureau, even like Rip Off Report, a lot of these websites where consumers are complaining about being misled, being billed without their knowledge, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So, and when they come, if you're doing stuff or not, you've lost. You're screwed because you don't have the money that it takes to prove that you're right.
2: So, Absolutely. You know, the, the, this happened with the ringtone industry. This happened with any of the subscription products that had negative billing options. Um, Google has even cracked down on that now any any type of product right now all the music service subscriptions are under fire right now Um, all the co-reg models came under fire you can't even run traffic from Google anymore with it so your traffic uh, promotional methods with somebody like Google uh, if that's your main source of traffic they're gonna fall in line with whatever the FTC is doing as well so they catch wind of something and they immediately change so you know I think I think the uh, we just have to get really honest about what we do
1: I think I think the the best so just in wrapping this little issue up I think the best practice is, you know, what the FTC uses as a litmus test is kind of like if an 80-year-old grandmother were to look at it, would she know that it was something for sale or not? Like, is she being misled into thinking like, this is someone talking about this, you know, like it's they're endorsing it? Or would she actually know that they were being paid to endorse it? So, I mean, me with a blog, me with my Twitter account, I've done them all where I've done paid stuff. And some I've disclosed, some I don't. But, you know, I, I think me as a as a whole, I've tried to disclose I am for sale. So, I mean, like, everything I do is usually motivated, I mean, in some ways. But, you know, I mean, like, on my blog, I... You money. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what I try to do is make money on the Internet. So, you know, like, everything I do is motivated in some way for the greater good of making money. So, Absolutely. Even though, even though sometimes it goes to charity and some other things. So, um, uh, some of the other questions, we had a lot of, of really good questions, and then we're also going to... Um, Darren is keeping track of the ones coming on Twitter. So if you can just use the hashtag of Afcon, uh, if you have an affiliate question you'd like us to address, um, and we'll also actually pull the audience as well pretty soon. Uh, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff again is coming from. It seems like a big fear, uh, fear on the merchant side and on the on the publisher side. So from the from the actual the advertiser side, a lot of them there was a couple different people who said they had affiliate programs, but people promoted their products in ways they didn't approve of, or they were doing all these crazy things to do sales, and they and they just wanted to know, like, what's the best way to get good affiliates to promote in a good way?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think the two, uh, what we tried to achieve with our network, and kind of where my thought process went when we said we're going to build a new affiliate network, um, with the hundreds of them are out there, it's hard to pick and choose what network to work with um, so this concept when we built pepper jam came up about transparency so let's understand who our marketing partners are and how they're uh, promoting traffic I think that goes one step further and it's really the intent of what the affiliates going to do um, so basically what we looked at the two issues that are really prevalent for larger and mainstream advertisers right now are brand protection And then if I'm going to lock down my brand, I'm not going to allow affiliates to play in the gray area or kind of the blackout way. Um, How do I prove distribution? How do I actually connect with affiliate partners? So, um, you know, for an advertiser looking for the right network, um, I think you need to go above and beyond what you would get with a traditional like CPA or CPL network. And you really need to start looking at... Uh, companies that really provide high level service behind this and can actually work. We're working on something um, called Publisher Genome, which is DNA mapping for affiliates. So we could work with an advertiser and say, listen, if we like the certain characteristics of this particular publisher for the way they build their sites, to the way they drive their traffic, to the quality um, of the leads or the sales coming through, I want to be able to find other affiliates like that. So it's technology we're about to launch because it is a real issue in the industry. And I think. What ends up happening is a lot of times the advertisers can't even track, and they don't even know the statistics on their own side. They don't even know their own analytics, and they can't figure out what channels are working for them or not, and it becomes this cannibalization issue of affiliates work in the search channel or email or or display. So it comes down to having advanced technologies to be able to track that. Um, and that's where the industry is kind of moving now. So it's it's coming, it's moving there. You know, we're kind of leading the charge on it, but it, it has been an issue for a long, long time.
1: So, and that kind of leads to some of the other questions. We had a lot of questions about cloaking and, and masking. There's this big fear that if you show the affiliate company what you're doing, you know, your keywords and all this stuff, that they're going to steal them. And they're going to copy Absolutely. what you're doing and they're, and you're going to be out. So, I mean, do you want to address that? I mean, because I know you, you've been <laughs> on both ends of that.
2: Absolutely. So, on being an affiliate, um, you're always concerned of somebody taking your ideas and especially... Um, you know, I think the affiliate industry in general has gotten kind of a bad rap. Um, on the mainstream advertising networks, uh, you look at a lot of advertisers will call affiliate skeevy, and they really don't see the value in it. And it's because a lot of people seek the path of resistance. They're going to go after their trademarks. They're going to do all that stuff. So cloaking from a perspective of a, a larger branded advertiser where they actually do have trademark volume um, is, is really tough for them to justify. And when you're cloaking and you're running through an affiliate network um, like that, a lot of times they can't see, there's no transparency into that traffic and you run the risk of getting kicked out of the network and your commission's withheld and all that great stuff. But I think cloaking really has a legitimate space if you're promoting products on uh, like a CPA network or a CPL network um, because a lot of those networks themselves have actually developed products. And the side was one of the Uh, prime things, where they did, where they they were going out and a lot of them found uh, what the affiliates were doing traffic-wise, and they went and they built their own product and their own offer. So the affiliate network owned their own offer. Now they had all the data and the back-end intelligence from the actual uh, affiliates, and they started doing that. So I think cloaking is really legitimate for affiliates that are trying to hide their traffic from having it stolen. So I think it comes down to the type of network you're actually working with if you're working with a higher brown network that requires a lot of transparency, you, it's gonna be a lot harder to get away with. Um, but if you are really concerned about data, there's ways of doing it and not being totally skeevy.
1: Sure, so, I mean we so the the but the actual affiliate networks, they I mean they, they get to see, you know, all of the keywords that comes in that converts to sales. Hmm. They get to see exactly how you're promoting it, if you're using a landing page or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they know all the things you don't they know what margins they're taking they know what they're paying to you know or they what they're getting paid you know and what margin they're taking and stuff like that yeah. so obviously it would be incredibly advantageous to the affiliate network to create their own products and then just they know where to buy traffic they know what products to make and boom so how what at what point I mean do I guess where, where's the line to where an affiliate network should and shouldn't do that's that's a good question. I think you can take it a step further, and you could say
2: most affiliate networks are their own largest affiliates as well. So, and that has been a uh, over the past couple of years. Commission Junction bought Mezi Media. You had Linkshare acquire companies. So, um, it also comes down to are they becoming affiliates themselves to boost margins? Um, distribution is key, and if there's ways of doing it with a network, it's great. Um, but there is a fine line, and uh, I personally think. You know, if, if you're working with top publishers like that, um, one of my concerns is potentially signing a confidentiality agreement with the network and so say, listen, if I'm sending traffic and we're working together and if affiliate marketing is truly partnership marketing, well, let's be transparent. But I want to know that you have my best interest in mind. Prime, prime issue that you had with your keywords being stolen and that was from yeah you know, the
1: monster themselves. Yeah. So I can't talk a lot about that legal case, but if you searched, you can see we had a legal issue with an employee of Google um, that was settled out of court. I can't really talk about that. But, so, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge issue, and I think that everyone – there's always a lot of fear. And what Aaron just brought up is a great point. If you're driving volume and you're doing big numbers, networks will work with you. I mean, big time. You, you become important
2: to a network. They're earning a piece of that sale. Every single time that you drive something through, and if you're really a key partner, I know our key partners, we have confidentiality agreements with them. Um, yeah, we, we. And also, work.
1: most most affiliate networks aren't building out products to compete, you know, I mean, most aren't, but most are thing was so simple because you can have the pills made overseas and do all this stuff. And so supplements
2: in general are are an issue because it's real easy. Just white label products. Right. So a lot of times, you know, if I were to look at a network, I would stay away from those types of products um, where a network could potentially compete. There's thousands of different opportunities to advertise, whether you want to work with You know more of the lead generation type stuff, or if you want to work with uh, mainstream advertisers and e-commerce. There's lots of various things you could do, and you don't have to be promoting that type of stuff either. So, you know, if you look at something that's popular like that, and if the networks are getting in the business, obviously there's there's something there, but it's also becoming saturated. So I also start to look at and go, where where else do you go? Um, and try to find the other low-hanging fruit as opposed to just competing in the big rat race so
1: right in- innovation sucks but it's very rewarding I mean when you can do it so Absolutely. that kind of leads into the whole opportunity at hand I mean which in the affiliate industry I think is you know I, I love it I mean I love I mean it changed my life I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the affiliate world and you know it's given me freedom to do great awesome things with my life and um, I think we had a lot of questions about just how do I get started? I need a step by step. Where's a good place to get a step by step walkthrough and all this stuff? I mean, I personally feel all the information is out there. I mean, there's it's not. I mean, it's just get after it, kind of. I mean, it's, it doesn't really cost you anything. To I mean, I made a lot of money without spending money when I started. And I think there's this big myth that you need to buy something. Or I mean, I have products for sale that would teach you how to do affiliate marketing. So if you want to buy something, I would love to sell you that. But I mean. <laughs> You can learn it. I mean, I learned it on my own, you know, and, and I know you did yeah. as well. Yeah,
2: you know, there's, there's multiple ways to get started. Um, I think there is that misconception. I talked to somebody before after my last session, um, and he was really worried about advanced tracking technology, and I said, well, what are you promoting? He goes, well, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I said, you, you didn't do anything yet. You don't even have site built, so why are we going into advanced, you know, advanced tracking? Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's... You have, to teach yourself, you have to figure out where you want to play, right? Because a lot of the stuff that's newer requires technical programming skills, so on and so forth. But you know, one of the easiest ways, and I think one of the valuable things, especially to a lot of mainstream advertisers that we represent, content is really a lot of the future of online, right? I think Google's changing the way SEO has moved forward, um, you know, just randomly blog posting comments and link farms and all that great stuff on the SEO side has become a real issue. One of the things that I focus on a lot of times that we look at um, uh, really uh, high-level affiliates are really niche people that develop sites that produce quality content um, that are driving traffic in a particular vertical. And that's part of our theory behind DNA mapping As we start to look. So if, you're, um, you know, if you have a fashion blog, right, think of all the advertisers that you could be working. True Religion, you could work with DKNY, you could work with all these great brands. And, and promote that in a legitimate way. Advertisers love it. One of the, the hardest thing to get into a network now, especially one of the larger mainstream networks, is a coupon site. Everybody became coupon sites, That's and right. it was a quick mask for, uh, you know, trademark hijacking and all those great things. So really, content sites you can never go wrong with.
1: And it doesn't cost a lot to do because, I mean, you can put up a WordPress right, blog and start... I have very two simple. very good friends of mine. Uh, one started a site called I Can Ask Cheeseburger, which is has all the stupid cap photos and captions that you see everywhere. Um, you know the site's basically sold for it sold for two million bucks, but it's uh, it now it does way better revenues. Um, but that started on you know WordPress. And my other friend uh, has an MMA MMA Junkie dot was mm-hmm. was junkie.wordpress.com when it started another multi-million dollar blog you know it just started these sites make just completely kill it in the affiliate industry and it's all like the you know Cheeseburger does the whole thing with the pet products and all that stuff and these were just fun niche sites and that's the same thing that happened to me too in ringtones I basically fell into a hole of money in, in the affiliate industry yep. because I was so into music and making ringtones and I thought it was really cool to make and share ringtones so I think like we had, a, we had a question about you know just how do I get started and all this stuff, but we also had a question about do I have, and I loved it when it came in, I'm trying to remember exactly that was, but it was something to the effect of do I have to do really bad things to people to make money on the internet, yeah. right? So That's and I great. thought that was really an interesting way to look at the affiliate industry, like really? Like do people really yeah. look at it like that? But I mean like if you look at some of those sites, I mean they, they make money just because they, they just love what they're doing and, and all that stuff. And I um, don't do you want to touch on that a bit? Yeah, you know, it, when, at the end of the day, this is all marketing, right? Find something you're really
2: passionate about, right? And pursue that. So if you're really passionate about real estate, start a real estate blog. Lots of advertising you can work with. To your point with the guy with the MMA site. You know, if you're an MMA fan, great, let's put content around that. There's various content writing services. If you don't feel like writing the content yourself, there's various services. Idealaunch.com has a great content writing service, our friend Byron White. Um, But there's other places where you can get content from and start to build that out. And you'll start to build SEO rankings. And that is probably one of the more legitimate ways. You're not spamming people. You can build an audience. One of the key things for advertisers today is really, how do I build an audience? How do I build a membership base? Um, I know some people, uh, some former friends of ours, that are doing kind of the next wave of the, the loyalty type sites, but with the social media twist. All those sites build audiences. So even when you look at the older coupon sites back in the day, they all build an audience. They had a lot of repeat traffic, and it took time to build. So I think it, the, the skeevy impression came from a lot of the get-rich-quick quick type things. Right. You know, I want to be a millionaire overnight. And it, I mean, it started with MLM. Back in the day, and right. you know, you get the postcard in the mail, and they're like, "Refer, this. send me a dollar, send these five people a dollar, and you you refer people, and they send you a dollar." You know, it, it's that kind of mentality that I think needs to change. And unfortunately, you're going to find that stuff in every industry. And I think those MLM guys created a lot of that those issues in the beginning. Not saying that all of it's bad, but kind of that pyramid scheme type thing, sure. and everybody get rich quick. And I
1: think I think every time you have something where there's no real hard fast rules, it's kind of a race to the bottom, right? It's absolutely, and affiliates. Um, what is the word Facebook likes to use for affiliates it 's They say something like they know how to scale better than anyone, which i mean I would i think that 's a nice way of saying like they 'll push boundaries as hard and as fast as possible and if affiliates find um, and i 'm speaking in general terms repression, stereotype the whole industry but but basically like if I find a hole somewhere and i can it 's just a matter of capital, I just need to spend more money to make more money, I mean that hole is going to be exploited so what do you think in terms of regulation to that kind of stuff?
2: So I'm all for, I mean, I'm an affiliate at heart as well. I'm all for free enterprise and the great entrepreneurs that I've been fortunate, I know you have as well, to meet throughout the years. Uh, it's a, one of the best industries in the world. It's also one of the best industries where you could scale, right? You can retire from affiliate marketing. You can uh, really change your life and alter your life in a positive way through this. And best of all, you you could work from home. you could do all those great things, but once again it it really takes a lot
1: of work to do it so yeah, but if you can if you can put in the work and actually build a niche website that people want to bookmark and or even make their starting page, I mean I know that's an like, audience cheeseburger. They have people that just start there every day at that site because they love that site so much. And they have such an audience. People do that with, and I mean, you can literally print money when you can establish and build an audience like that. It's very hard to do. But, and a lot of times when people start it for the reason of, who's a jackass with the ringtone off? All right, turn phones <laughs> off. Thank you.
2: All right. You know, I think one of the issues is when, when you look at the boundaries, it's whose boundaries? Right, is, it, it usually comes down to the advertisers. Do the advertisers allow it? Right? Are they taking advantage of that traffic channel themselves? Right? Would just look at uh, trademark issues. Right. So if affiliates are, are bidding on trademarks on Google or direct linking to an advertiser, some advertisers allow it. Others don't. So if you're an advertiser, you know, on one end, if you're an advertiser starting off and you don't have um, the capital to really deploy against search engine marketing or display media or whatever. Um, The first place I go is performance marketing. It's great. I can pay performance, right? But as they start to grow, you usually see those advertisers go, oh, well, you know what? I can buy my trademark. I can get a conversion there cheaper, right? So my costs are lower, so I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, it's bad for affiliates to do that.
1: Yeah, and and also, you know, there's a fine line between creative and crossing the line because I've found some really creative ways to make a lot of money in affiliate marketing, where I thought the advertiser wouldn't be that great, you know, wouldn't be that thrilled about. But in fact, they, I mean, they're in business to make money, right? So they thought they were just out of the box, awesome ideas, and they promptly stole them and put them into their own site. But, you know, yep. but it was just, you know, to one company, and I think the big takeaway here is that is to have an open line of communication in whatever you're doing, because the problem is that if you're doing it, you're trying to hide it, what's going to happen is they're just going to take money from you right i mean they're just not going to pay you if they don't approve it and it's clearly against their guidelines so and you never know i mean like it's probably and if it's if you have the go ahead or a lot of times you'll get the if it's not you know defined against the thing a lot of times you'll get maybe not a yes but you know give it a try kind of thing and see what they want to see you know feedback a lot of times with facebook specifically Facebook advertising, what we do. I mean, I'm always surprised at actually what goes through and what doesn't because some of the things I think would never make it through do. And some of the things I think are a no-brainer to go through is like hit some stupid stop word that, you know, they have in there. So, I mean, just, you know, you want to have an open line of communication and just be open and honest and transparent with with your affiliate manager and company you're working with.
2: Yeah, and the larger the advertiser, the more transparency they're probably going to require. Right, because a lot, a lot of the really, really large brands have private programs. Sometimes you can't even see them on a network. The only way you are to get into that is if you are in a particular niche that can provide value for them. Um, you know, a lot of the advertisers are not stupid. There are technologies where they can actually see what kind of traffic you have coming in. They can reverse your IPs and see all of your sites on your, um, on your, on your blocks. They they can reverse engineer a lot of the stuff. So there's only so much you're going to be able to get away with that without being transparent, but. I've also seen on the opposite side of that. That there's some advertisers that they potentially don't have the resources to take advantage of some of the gray area and the opportunities, like pushing Facebook or doing stuff on Craigslist or, um, you know, or there's corporate governance against doing it. Potentially, it's against the traffic. You know, like doing stuff on Craigslist. It might be against Craigslist's terms and conditions. So the advertiser can't do it themselves. So they're kind of going, eh, "Well, the it's you know, I they have, they have can a do question." What they
1: want. That's actually just for me. Is, is, since intrinsic, uh you guys are a publicly traded company, I mean, what, how much more stuff do you have to worry about than, you know, mom and pop affiliate network?
2: Yeah, uh, quality is really key. And one of the issues is is that we end up being the agency of record sometimes for a lot of uh, these advertisers. So um, it's really a conflict of interest for advertisers to manage their paid search with a search agency and then have a separate affiliate network because there's always a constant battle there, right? Who gets the, the attribution? Um, so we have to be much more compliant. You fall under the SOX compliance rules and all, the, all that fun stuff. Um, so quality is key. And I think one of the things that we try to instill is really uh, that open relationship with a publisher, try to be more transparent, um, try to have a higher level of communication, a higher level, a higher touch service, um, and be able to communicate. Uh, The other thing that I think that that comes in there is also how the payments work, right? We have to be very, very transparent because we're audit, we're publicly traded. So the way we handle our payment and revenue recognition and all that stuff, we're, we're very, very uh, specific around that. Where some of the private privately held networks, not to say that you do it, but there's a little less, uh, they don't have to be as transparent there. Sure. So, you know, we're, we're guaranteed to maintain that, that higher quality. So,
1: the last issue that we had um, on our main discussion was jumping into the tax issue, which I know is everyone's favorite subject. Um, but it's something that's been creeping up in our industry for a long time. It's passed, I believe, in California and Denver, or in Colorado. Um, and it's on the and now, you know, the representative who was here the other day um, is now like we were talking about is a, is a consultant for other states who are like, "Hey, how do we get a part of this?" Well, the scariest thing there is that guy that was here has no clue. He
2: doesn't even understand what affiliate marketing is. That's frightening, and he's consulting with
1: other states now. It, that's that's a real issue. And and the thing the thing that bothers me most about this tax issue is. These bills are being passed, and people don't know what are... I mean, there's no great, like, alliance against it. Like, there's no big lobby. There's no... I've had, like, affiliate networks come to me and say, like, you know, we need to form a lobby. We need to do this. How do we do this? And do you think that it's because of the affiliate industry, and we even had this conversation last year, and that everyone as an affiliate is used to operating as such a lone wolf that it's just the idea of everyone coming together to lobby against this is just will never happen and we're just going to get stuck with this tax thing or
2: (laughs) well I mean the two things are inevitable are death and taxes right Right. it's it's gonna come I mean like you said before we're very fortunate not to have to deal with this until now um it would be nice to see everybody band together because what's I think what makes me mad about it personally from an affiliate perspective there's kind of like the public trade network perspective and there's kind of me with no filter going I'm not okay with this. If you're going to treat affiliates as stores, then, all right, let's talk about the other form. Why are they picking on affiliates? Let's talk about the other forms. You have Google AdSense on your site. Why aren't they going after that? What about sales through that? What about when you have ad tags on your site for display media buys or whatever else? Why aren't they going after that? It's, they're going to attack affiliates. So,
1: Yeah. yeah well. That's the scary thing is really where does this stop? It's the same thing with the casino thing. They basically, you know, stapled that on the back of that thing, the the process of making software that lets people gamble or however it's worded, then basically shut off that entire industry overnight. And it was always going to come back and back. Well, here we are years later.
2: Exactly. And that's what's scary. And to your point, saying not giving me ideas, that's also on the opposite side. How many people in this room haven't thought about that either? Right? We need to band together. We have to find a way. Um, I mean, that's our next, uh, our next issue we attack. But... Uh, um, we, have to, we have to band together. You don't know where this is going to stop. They basically chased the casino industry right out of the U.S. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's gone. And if the casinos were uh, a little bit more forthright and be able to pay their taxes and they were able to earn money off it, we wouldn't have this issue. So, um, you know, it, as, as an affiliate, what bothers me is that a lot of affiliates are just starting out. Right? There's very few super affiliates in the world. And when you're getting to that stage, you're incorporating and, you know, you're used to, you have, you have resources to deploy against, you know, other taxes and stuff like that. It's tough out there. It's really tough as an affiliate to make money. It, and traffic prices are going up. Advertisers are tightening their belt. The economy's worse. So when you start looking at it today, it's going to squeeze your margins even more. So. We all know it's kind of coming, we just don't know to what extent. And if we all don't band together and figure something out and keep lobbying and keep pushing, um, it's only gonna get worse. I think they go down a deeper path and it could end up uh, like the casino industry, which we hope doesn't happen. Um, But also goes to the other side, it's escalation, right? So it's time that we also become more sophisticated as affiliates understand um, the analytics better, uh, like I just did the panel on that, and understand consumer path to conversion, understanding um, really how you can gain more market share with using a lot of tools. We need to get more sophisticated, we need to clean ourselves up, and uh, it's definitely gonna be a battle to be fought, but we need to start thinking about this stuff. And it can't just be, and you made the point outside, it's, it's one of those things where, well, you know what, it doesn't affect me today.
1: Yeah, everyone looks like the whole thing when Colorado was going down in California, everyone was like, it doesn't affect me, why do I care? Well, it's coming for you. Eventually, it will come for you. Um, so I think that the bigger thing is that. People just see money, right? When you go on the ballot, um, you know, like my mom and dad or my wife even would see this thing on a bill, which is like, oh, more money for our state. Yeah, I want that. You know, it's like this affiliate tax, let's tax those guys, you know, those crazy guys working from home. And most
2: consumers do not know what affiliate marketing is. Absolutely. so They, just they don't revenue. understand what an affiliate link right. is.
1: They're like, oh, it was great when we got the casino approved. And I remember how awesome that was. So... You know, so they're just going to go for it. Well, so what we have to do is we have to not only get after the politicians and let them know that we won't be voting for them again and stuff like that, but also educate consumers and create sites and even advertising through Facebook, which I know, like, if somebody was to step up and actually form this nonprofit, I mean, companies like Aaron's and all of the major companies I know would contribute to it and believe me and fund it for whatever advertising was needed in the states where this is kind of stuff is going down because you need to educate consumers because what's going to happen is these businesses are going to pack up shop and go to states where they're not going to have to pay taxes until basically there's nothing left. And so it's really bad for the state because it's going to eliminate a lot of Economic growth there. It
2: is, and I don't think it's just, it resides with the affiliates, right? I think networks need to step forward, um, and I also think advertisers need to step forward. So, advertisers love the paper performance model. Well, maybe at some point they're sharing some of the risk, or, you know, it, it's a lot of advertisers won't take a risk on uh, display advertising, but they'll do affiliate. So, you know, there's going to be a different risk, and now their affiliates are going to be at risk. They're not going to step in and help to keep that channel open. So I think it the lobby comes from all three sides. It's it's really that network in the centerpiece, but actually having the advertisers who are much larger entities that can that pay a heck of a lot more in taxes than affiliates would, really just start putting the pressure on as well.
1: Yeah I hear I hear every day about how hard affiliate marketing is. It's hard work, right? And we said it is hard work. But you know what's hard work is when I was freaking stocking cat food at Target, you know, that was hard work. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that in my whole point of that little thing is that right now there is such an opportunity in the affiliate space like 10 years from now we'll be talking about remember how easy that was to do you know like there was there's no rules remember when you didn't have to get a license to do affiliate marketing remember when you didn't have to pay like a crazy amount of tax and i mean the margins we operate now are like no other industry in the world you know the affiliate of an affiliate normally operates on a huge margin of profit i mean huge margin of profit so especially if you know they're not well i mean they just operate on a huge margin of profit you know whether they're paying for traffic or or not if they're so we can go ahead and uh, I know Darren has questions and also if you guys have questions just raise your hand and we have somebody take around the mic here Uh, uh, so somebody on Twitter said uh, revenue diva said what do you feel is the top 10 best ways to make money in affiliate marketing you want to jump on that, Baker? Jim, <laughs> <laughs> i giving away too much information.
2: Listen, um, so I think there's multiple ways to make money in affiliate marketing. Um, you know, one of my favorites, uh, some of the promotional methods that I've seen, um, advertiser really after the niche content sites. I think a huge opportunity if you do it the right way. Um, a lot of the... Uh, it, it, with the advanced analytics platforms coming out, making search actually work and not have to do it in the blackout way where you're going after trademarks, I think that's that's a really interesting way. Uh, some of the new value proposition sites that are coming out, uh, especially to incorporate a uh, a feature uh, social media integration. Is there any specific niches, do you think? Um, personally, I'm I'm a big fan of retail and e-commerce. Right. I mean, even though it has been down, you're starting to come in to... Um, with and e-commerce, I think what's great is that it's real easy to map out seasonality with those guys, right? So you start to look at all the fashion brands. You can go, okay, we're going to see an uptick when it starts to come into uh, back-to-school season. Then all of a sudden, you know, you have you have a promotional accounting, now. You have Halloween stuff to promote. Then you have fourth quarter with a lot of big retailers. So um, I saw a lot of different verticals like that, and basically a lot of the successful affiliates that we see around that vertical as a network they're really mapping out those calendars and deploying the necessary resources and they shift focus as they go through the year. So I think it's, it's being a smart marketer in, in general is really what helps. But you know, the one thing I do caution is that a lot of people always chase the shiny new things. Right, it's always the hot new uh, promotional method. I think uh, your friend Seth Godin put it best with the, his book Meatball Sunday. Right, it's you, you look at a, a great Sunday, and you, it's really the product, and you, you want to, uh, or the, you look at the uh, meatballs, and you're kind of, oh, it's not all that attractive, and that's actually the product. And all of a sudden, you put the whipped cream and the cherries on top, and you're going, well, and that's the so- new social media and it's all the shiny new things. And it doesn't matter if your product sucks, if your if your site sucks and you're looking at it, and you're using all these new promotional methods, it doesn't matter. So it comes back to being a marketer. What are you doing? What, what is something, and I love to look at, advertising. you look at the iPhone or the iPad, they didn't have to spend a ton of money on marketing if they really didn't need to. Right. I mean, at and t site got shut down, with the iPhone 4G, and everybody's, or the iPhone 4, and people are saying all over the place that the phone's not ready for launch. There's all kinds of bugs and problems, and people still want it, right? So it's all about creating... A good product. So find something you're passionate about, create a great product around it, or a great site, or something of a lot of value that somebody's really going to want to read or touch, or it's part of creating an audience. I think that's what it all comes back
0: to.
1: So I think, um, if I mean, basically, I, I wrote a guide uh, about a year and a half ago. It was called the Local Affiliate Marketing Guide. And it was basically how to take what we, and it was, I stumbled into it just by chance because my neighbor's a dentist and actually has four dental practices and needed clients. So he kinda told me what demographic he was after it was females, you know, twenty eight to you know, forty something, because you get them in there and they book the whole family, right? So that demographic is worth like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars per person to him. Every every new person to that. That's you know, lifetime that's quite a lifetime value. So I said to him, you know, like, okay, well, let's figure out something that would attract these people and we went after something that didn't cost him basically anything, which was teeth whitening, right? So so then um Long story short, we filled up all the offices just doing some online stuff and he paid me, you know, like $50, you know, per person that came in the door or something like that. And we were giving them like a $600 free teeth whitening or something. So my whole thing is this local affiliate thing that I basically fell into and how to do it is by far I think the biggest opportunity right now nobody's doing it you can you have relationships with these people already They're your doctors or your dentists or your you know your painter or whoever these people have services and their lifetime value on these services are, is enormous An insurance person person that sells insurance a insurance value is a great
2: vertical for that it's
1: huge right and now they,
2: insurance companies are really squeezed especially on google I think keyword auto auto insurance right now is going for like thirty six dollars. Right, I, there a lot of lot of insurance clients are really had a hard time making it work. To work with local insurance, I think is absolutely brilliant.
1: I know. I know Quinn Street. Um, just in the, in the insurance industry, Quinn Street. Yeah. When you start with them with sure hits, they start out paying eight dollars per click on mm-hmm. insurance keywords. It's insane. That vertical is insane, but it's very competitive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, But locals mom, not. Yeah, the local stuff, I think if somebody's out there they want to make some great cash and learn how the whole affiliate marketing thing works and all that, by far local affiliate marketing is the low hanging fruit right now. It's it is the new frontier. And you can I mean, can you make a million dollars with it? Probably not. You know, you still have to deal with people. It's not gonna scale like online stuff was, but you can definitely make an awesome living doing it. So I think, you know, for somebody, I think that's probably my best tip that you can do tomorrow. You can start setting up the relationship doing that. Um Another big tip I have, just in general, for people that want to get into affiliate marketing or are doing it now, I think you, under, you have to understand basic salesmanship. I think so many people want to make money online or want to do affiliate marketing because it's so cool, and they read about stories like mine, you know, which I used to stock cat food now don't. And all that stuff. And so it's just, you know, it's like it's cool, right? It's a great story and everybody wants to do it, but they don't understand the basics of selling. And I had such a background in commission sales that, you know, it was very easy and I still adapted a lot of those same principles of call to action and you know and I mean like one of the basic principles of selling is you have to ask the person, do you want to buy it? you know, you have to ask them, Are you ready to buy this? Are you ready Absolutely. to check it out? And so many people don't do that. Um, you know, and, and I see some audience, and he's got a great book out there. What's the name of it? I forgot it. Landing page <laughs> <laughs> so, Landing Page Optimization. It actually goes over a lot of the basics, but, um, and some really technical stuff as well. Excellent book, but there's so many basic things, whether it's social proof or scarcity and all these things that you should probably understand the basics of sales and salesmanship before you jump into affiliate marketing, because that's the real sauce of it, I think. Is, is, and you, you, I know you can appreciate sales as well. We love, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and we talk about that movie a lot of stuff. But I mean, I can, I can really, I really love how sales work and stuff like that. I mean, do you think that's a big part of affiliate marketing? Absolutely. There's, you're selling stuff. Right. That's
2: what You want people to buy stuff, or you want, to, you want them to do whatever intended action that you want them to take. There has to be a call to action. And I think being able to do that, even going back to your local point, you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to convince these people. Most of these people don't even understand search engine marketing yet. Right, and all of a sudden they're going to try to grasp affiliate marketing. I'm only going to have to pay per lead. I mean, the cost per 1,000 model in the offline world is the only thing most of those people know. So you have to be able to sell, and you have to be able to sell yourself. I think that's the most important thing, is that people are going to trust you, and that's part of having a great relationship with an advertiser.
1: Right. So, Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, Aussie Webmaster asks, "Can oh people still sign up for your 16-week online training program?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm me to pay him later. Yeah, I started a 16-week. Uh, it's actually it was 12-week that it kind of evolved into a 16-week thing. It's It's Just like I got the inspiration for p90x it's completely free you can sign up for you to get like a pdf a week that tells you like go check this out and here's what you learn it's kind of like a guide not really to make money online but it's more like how everything works so it kind of like explains like affiliate marketing gets to the root of it the local thing and all the other stuff so it yeah does anyone have a question wow Silencing. I guess that just was just that good. I guess so. I doubt
2: it. Well,
1: thanks, everybody, for coming.
2: <laughs> we actually we have some questions. Yes, yes sir. Let's have what.
3: I live in Colorado, so I followed the affiliate tax thing, and, and now what's passed in Colorado is actually uh, online sales tax. So not really an affiliate tax. So I'm wondering what taxes have passed in other states, and how is it an affiliate tax, and what part... Because in my opinion, there, there's already an affiliate tax. It's called income tax. You know, all affiliates have to pay income tax, just like everyone who works a job. So, what's this? What's this added tax? I mean, it sounded like you were talking about a couple of different things, like maybe licensing fees. Could be one example of a tax. What What things do we need to keep our eyes open for and and look for?
1: Um, I was more I was more talking about just in the future. I think, like as far as licensing goes and stuff like that. I think you'll see. Um, where people will actually there'll be much more regulation and people might have to actually get a license to do business like you know like a business license to do license to do business on the internet um, because if we keep doing this race to the bottom and people keep having bad experiences eventually we'll get to that because now a lot of times it's very hard to track down people who have some of these offers right so we can't that's got to stop um, as far as and I think that there'll be just more and more regulation down the road so licensing and all that other stuff was something it was', it was just like I don't know if that'll happen, but you know, I could I could definitely see it happening. Um, but the tax-wise, the online tax in general is what's going down from state to state. The way I understand it, anyway, I know it varies a little bit. But I'm I'm with you. I mean, we already pay income tax, right? Um, you know, but it's 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 somewhat. I mean, it's 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 coming, and there's there's really. I mean, it's it's so hard to address the issue, but um, but it. But it the thing is, it's on a state level, right, the way I understand it, and, and so then states can then, state by state, get the money for the transactions that exist in their state, right? And so the affiliates were then, it was just coming out of the affiliates before, did the affiliates have to pay or was it coming right from the networks themselves?
2: Uh, the, the affiliates.
1: Right. So, um, that's the way I understand it.
2: So I advertisers I advertised, start, start kicking. New York affiliates out of the program.
1: Yeah, you know that's what happens is these affiliates really get screwed. Um, we had some people write in with the questions too. With the tax issue was there's people in in Colorado who were Amazon affiliates who were doing great and they got zinged with this, and so then Amazon kicked all the Colorado people out of their affiliate program, just like in New York and in California. And so now they had they basically a lot of them were setting up addresses in Nebraska and and stuff like that and doing business out of there. And even if you know so. It, the problem, but now none of that money flows into Colorado, right? So it's just, and, and the thing is, just the general public needs to be more educated about it.
3: Okay. Because, I mean. To me, the the worst thing about the uh, online sales tax, which in my opinion is still a bad thing, is that you know sales tax uh, with retail outlets and physical th- those taxes fund you know infrastructure improvements and things like that that are local. But if you're not using them. Uh, if, on an online purchase, it doesn't make sense to me. So to me, and I'm not a merchant, but uh, other merchants out there who want to have an affiliate program and are looking at all of a sudden maybe generating a lot of online sales that they didn't have before are now going to have this huge compliance burden, which is the term that I saw used out there a lot, and they're going to have to track and and also, I mean, there's 50 states just in the, in the U.S. alone. So if each state, and, and from the ones I've seen, has, a diff- has different rules for reporting, you know, that's a huge expense to a merchant looking to branch out into affiliate.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's taxes always piggybacked on all time, you know, I mean, different things are taxed differently, and I think I think we're also going to see it on the federal level pretty soon, um, where it's just going to be, I mean, not only will you have it at the state level, you'll have it at the federal level as well, which is going to double suck, but it's coming, I mean, so, like I say, years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, remember when you wouldn't have this 15% margin or whatever we'll have in the future, because it's, it's It's going to be there. You know, it's going to suck. Anyone else have a question? Yeah.
3: Well, really loud. Wow. All right. (laughs) So why why aren't we looking at this at going to the merchants who, in many cases, already own stores uh, in each of these individual states? They already deal with sales tax within each of these individual states. Why aren't we treating this and going to them and saying, you should be treating this as wherever that particular person purchased or had it shipped to? That's where the tax should be paid. You already have the infrastructure. You're already dealing with it. That should be a pretty easy way to do it. We should be attacking them with that. And I don't mean attacking it in a bad way. I just mean we should be putting it to them and saying, you have the ability to do this, or the business is going to go away.
1: Because, yeah, I mean, when we, when we actually sell things to people in other states, it's their responsibility to pay the tax on it, right? Because we don't collect the tax from that. So I think it's your work to saying, you know, I mean...
2: Yeah, and don't forget, if this falls back on the advertisers, too, with increased cost with any of this, it's also going to change what they're paying you as an affiliate, right? So yeah. it's really a Yeah, they're not going to eat the cost for you. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so you're going to pay for it one way or another, either in the form of decreased commissions or taxes. So I think the point is that it's coming, and I think what we need to do, like I said before, is you need to get multiple levels banded together so it doesn't get out of control.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we're kind of in agreement that it's definitely coming. It's just, how do we mitigate the craziness level of it? Because, I mean, we don't want to it's just a matter of how much recording. it's
2: going to hurt. Right. But I don't want to see the industry go out like the casino industry did from the U.S. Right. That would be a real shame.
1: Which, that's what happens when the stuff gets snuck through. Absolutely. Like it's, like it's doing now, By people
2: so. don't know what they're talking
1: about. Right, right. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Baker and Shoe Money. Make sure you come up there. Pick their brains, folks. Of course, it's lunch. We want to see you back here in an hour. We'll be holding the black hat, white hat session right here. So if you want to find out a little bit about uh, white hat, black hat, in search, in this room, right after lunch.